Welcome back, Atlanta, to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM920. We are so excited that you're with us today. My name is Cleve Gaddis. I'm the host of this show. I'm also a full-time real estate agent and broker with a team full of agents who help buyers and sellers and investors just like you make the best decisions uh, whenever possible when buying, selling, or investing in real estate in Metro Atlanta. We live, eat, and breathe, and sleep real estate. Um, I think most people in my family would tell you that I probably spend way too much time working in real estate, but we love it. And we just, when people are making decisions that are based on one of the biggest purchases, the biggest investments they'll make in their lives, there is so much room for error if you're not getting the right advice. And it doesn't mean we have a crystal ball and then all the advice we provide is picture perfect, but we want you to know everything you need to know before you make decisions. So for example, if you want to buy a house and it's the first one in the neighborhood as you drive in, is that worth the same thing as the rest of the houses in the neighborhood? If you buy a house that overlooks a retention or a detention pond or that is right behind the tennis courts in a neighborhood and you get the light wash over into the yard, does that affect pricing? And the answer is, by the way, in a lot of cases, yes. And so how do you, as a buyer or a seller, how do you understand the effect of that so that you can make the best decisions possible when buying or selling that real estate? If you'd like to connect with us, please, please, please do. Go to Go Gaddis Radio, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S Radio. You can ask questions. You can make comments. You can register your personal neighborhood for the Neighborhood Spotlight. You can push back, share ideas, register for contests when we have them. That is all done at Go Gaddis Real Estate, excuse me, GoGaddisRadio.com, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S Radio.com. We've got a question from Stephen in Brookhaven. Says we're selling our home and I want to be prepared for any capital gains taxes we will owe. We've lived in our home for 15 years, so our gains will be really large. Well, the nice thing is, is that section IRS code section 121, which is IRS section 121 exemption, says that if you've lived in the home as your principal residence for a minimum of two of the last five years then there should be no capital gains taxes up to $250,000 for a single person, up to $500,000 for a married couple. So, Stephen, I don't know if you're married or not, but if you are and you have $400,000 worth of gains and you've lived there two of the last five years, there should not be any tax consequences whatsoever. I know if you're nervous about tax consequences, then, uh, Stephen, you have got to be happy, happy, and feeling rich at this point that there will be no tax consequences. It's one of the few things where you can sell and make a gain and have no tax consequences whatsoever. We had a client who had a daughter who had moved to California, and uh, she bought a home. Long story short, you know, we talk about all the research. The disclosure paperwork was not issued correctly by the buyer's agent. And, and so she wound up buying a home. This buyer had, very sens- had a real high sensitivity to mold and mildew and turns out that the problem had a mold the house had a mold problem which was remediated when the house was rebuilt but the buyer did not know that because had she known it she would have certainly not bought the home because she was already at a heightened sensitivity to it anyway well long story short she had to sell it uh, within that two-year time frame so she had never lived there for two years she really only lived there for a few months because she had to move out well long story short 
That Section 121 also has some special exemptions for people who are relocated for their job or have to move for medical reasons. So it's not just that you have to have lived there two of the last five years in order to not have any gains. Uh, there are other ways for you to not owe any capital gains taxes as well. And if you're interested, uh, give me a call. I'll be happy to chat with you if you have a specific. I am not a CPA, so I'm not qualified to give tax advice. I'm not a lawyer either, although I do play one on the radio. Um, but just give me a call, and I'll be happy to discuss your situation with you uh, specifically. So, Stephen in Brookhaven, if you've lived in your home for two of the last five years, it could be the first year and the third year. It could be the first year and the second year, but not the third, fourth, and fifth. If you've lived there two of the last five years, then you are entitled to up to $250,000 in gains, exempt from taxes. If you are married, you're entitled to up to $500,000 in gains that are totally exempt from taxes. Isn't that great? I can't think of something else you can do in this country where you can make a gain and not pay any taxes. Now, you can do a 1031-1031 exchange for investment property but you're really not getting a gain. You're just exchanging gain in one property for gain in another property. We'll talk about that another day, but there are very few ways. I know when you get your paychecks every single week or twice a month or whenever you get them, you probably look at them and go, my gosh, where did all my money go? Well, when you sell your house, if you've lived there two of the last five years, you shouldn't have any capital gains taxes. We got an email from somebody who is overwhelmed. Robbie in Loganville says, my partner and I are planning to buy our first home, but we don't even know where to begin. Do you have suggested steps? And then he goes on to say, in order. And I love that. Uh, uh, Robbie is trying to control the situation and make the best decisions he possibly can. And so I've got a lot of things that I would suggest you do as a first-time home buyer. Let's just see if we can put these in order and give you some advice in terms of moving forward. I think step number one, Robbie, is to understand what you can afford. And you can go to Freddie Mac's website. You can go to Fannie Mae's website. You can put in information. Both of them have calculators that help you understand exactly how much house you can afford based on your income. Or you could just have a conversation with a lender like John Birchfield, who happens to be our preferred mortgage lender. He's with Capital City Home Loans. And he can be reached by calling 678-226-7887. And you just want to have a conversation about what you can afford. And remember... Uh, Robbie, that just because you can afford it doesn't mean you need to buy it. I think some people buy probably too much house. And I know my real estate professional friends out there are going, oh, my gosh, Cleve's telling people not to spend too much money on a house. But you don't want to be house poor. You don't want to buy a house that is so big and so expensive that you can't afford it. Step two, I think you need to understand what's going to be required from a down payment. And you need to understand whether or not you're going to have any private mortgage insurance requirements. So if you put less than 20% down, then generally a lender is going to require you as a borrower to have private mortgage insurance or, which is PMI, or MIP, which is mortgage insurance premium, for an FHA loan. And that insurance protects the lender for the amount of the loan over 80%. So if you got a 95% loan and you didn't pay the loan, then that mortgage insurance company or the private mortgage insurance company, if you had 15% more loan to value than the 80, so if you're at 95%, that's 15% more, then the lender would actually um, be paid by the insurance company if you were to not pay your mortgage. And this is the way they keep the mortgage market more liquid. So the second thing is be aware of your down payment. How much will you have to bring to closing and how much will your mortgage insurance be? Step number three, I would say you got to get your team together. Now, in a lot of cases, you might want to start out with your real estate agent. 
And you might want to start out with your lender as you go through and understand how much house you can afford. Also, as you understand your down payment and your PMI. Uh, if you don't have anybody that you know and trust, I mean, I'd be happy to walk you through these numbers myself. Uh, meet you at the office, meet you at your house, meet you over Zoom, talk to you on the telephone. Totally happy to give you the best advice I possibly can because we really want you to make the right decisions. I mean, we're trying to be a little sneaky because we think if you meet us that you might want to actually use us to help represent you in purchasing or selling your home. But the reality is there's no obligation, there's no charge whatsoever. So if you meet with us and decide you don't want to use us, we'll be disappointed, but we certainly will understand. So step number four is finding the right home. And I think you need to be clear about what you want and what you need, but you also need to be open-minded and look at all of the stuff that's available in the market. I find that buyers tend to be too restrictive as they're searching for homes. And they're searching for only homes with a two-car garage where, for example, you might have one in the area that has a two-car carport that can be converted to a garage fairly easily. So tell your agent very specifically what you want, but be willing to let your agent search very broadly because I think that will help you. The next is working with your lender. Your lender is going to play a critical part in helping you determine how much you can afford and making sure you're prepared for all the documents they'll ask for, so you want to do that. Step number six, then you'll make an offer on a home. Um, I would suggest, Robbie, that you ask your agent to give you a copy of the paperwork that is used in making an offer, which would be eight-page purchase and sale agreement, typically a loan contingency exhibit, your seller's disclosures, your community association disclosures, things like that. I would probably ask my agent to give me that stuff in advance, even if they were blank forms, so I could be familiar with what I was looking at and what was important. That's what you want to do when you make an offer. If you work with a member of the Gaddis Group's real estate sales team, then we would use a specific written process that we would use in making an offer. So we have a checklist to make sure that you're not missing anything that you need to understand. Step number seven would be once you go under contract, you would do your inspections, your home inspection, maybe your radon inspection. Uh, maybe you would have somebody, as we talked about earlier, come out and look at synthetic stucco if you happen to have it. Uh, you might want somebody to come out and look at a sprinkler system or a lighting system or a garden shed. You might want somebody to check the septic system. There's lots of things that you might want to inspect. And then you would have the appraisal of the home. And then step number eight would be closing your loan. That is um, going, going to closing and uh, signing on the dotted line and getting the title to your home and starting to make those mortgage payments. I remember when I bought my home, first home back in 1992, um, I, um, I just couldn't believe that I was a homeowner. I just couldn't believe I was a homeowner. It was such an awesome feeling. So if you are feeling stuck because you want to sell your home, but you're concerned that the coronavirus will force you to sell for less, or maybe that it'll take you forever and you might miss your time frame, you really shouldn't feel stuck at all. The coronavirus might have given you even better options because it pushed inventory down so low in Metro Atlanta. Let us show you how to get $28,000 more than what your neighbor sold their home for and make your timing work out perfectly. And I think we can ensure that that entire process is safe. So if you're worried about catching COVID or being exposed, I think we can help you with that as well. Just go to Go Gaddis Radio, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S Radio. One more time, Go Gaddis Radio, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S Radio. Click on $28,000 more to unlock your home's full value and make timing really a non-issue, but be careful. And I mean this. I know it sounds like a gimmicky sales thing, but don't go click on that unless you absolutely want to have somebody teach you exactly what you need to do to sell your home for $28,000 more than your neighbor. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back in our neighborhood spotlight, Village Grove in Swanee 
Also, what's going on with appraisal contingencies for FHA and VA loans? And what do you do if you've had 43 showings and no offer? We're going to talk about that and more. Stick with us.